Let us pray. Compassionate Jesus, as we gather around you, open our hearts and minds to you and what you are doing and what you are calling us to be involved in. Bless us as we listen to and reflect on your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Today's sermon is from Pastor Paul Smith, the Bishop of the Lutheran Church of Australia and New Zealand, and is called Gathered in the Name of the Miracle Worker, Jesus Christ. We meet in the name of the Worker of Miracles, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Some have gathered in Melbourne at the Convention of General Synod, hoping for a miracle. Some have gathered expecting a miracle. And some gathered figuring that only a miracle will help the church. Whatever you have brought in your heart here to church today, you are gathered by the one we know as a miracle worker. The same Lord Jesus Christ provided a scripture reading to guide our people, especially those who are in the gathering we call the Convention of General Synod. He gave a scripture that keeps his people focused on God's heart of compassion, the same heart that performs miracles for us. He has provided a scripture that invites us to repent of any mistrust of his good and gracious will for us. Of those times when human reason schemes to suspect that nothing can be done or that there can be no future for us or that we should avoid issues of dispute or disagreement amongst God's people or that we need to tell God how mission should be done. This scripture reminds us that we are gathered in the name of the worker of miracles Jesus Christ, our Lord. The scripture that I'm speaking of is the reading that was set for the opening worship of the Convention of General Synod last Thursday, Matthew chapter 14. This is the story of the feeding of 5,000, not counting women and children. You may not know that this is the only miracle story, apart from the resurrection, that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So there is certainly something good and helpful for us here, something to tune into, something to guide us as God's people as we step forward in faith, seeking God's good and gracious will for his church. This story will prompt us to anticipate the hand of God working miracles far beyond anything we could ask or think of. Of course, this message is not just for the work of the church, for those gathered for the Convention of General Synod, but for all of us in our walk by faith in the name of Jesus. The context of this story is important. By the end of the previous chapter, Matthew 13, our Lord Jesus isn't doing so well. His cousin has been brutally murdered by a king. John the Baptist has been executed by Herod. And the scripture tells us that upon hearing this, our Lord Jesus has gone off to a remote place privately. But as so often happens, the crowds have followed him. And as they come to him with their human suffering, we are told that Jesus had compassion on them. Having heard this context, we arrive at this wonderful miracle of the feeding. But for this meditation, let us focus particularly on the dialogue here between our Lord Jesus and the disciples. Even though the name disciple means learner, In this story, we begin to appreciate that the disciples reveal that they still have a lot to learn about faith in God and following where the Lord leads. We all do. 
The disciples begin by telling Lord Jesus the obvious, as if he hadn't noticed what they had noticed. This is a remote place, they tell him. Well, yes, it is a remote place. Remember, it was the Lord Jesus who went there in the first place. It is getting late, they tell him. Well, yes, it is. You suppose that our Lord Jesus probably would have noticed the twilight. The disciples are figuring out, how do we deal with all these crowds of people? 5,000, not counting women and children. So what is the disciples' solution? They tell Jesus that he needs to send the people away so they can get what they need to eat. This all sounds quite reasonable, although you can hear mistrust and criticism from the disciples. You can hear them accusing him. Lord, do you really know what you are doing? It really is your fault, after all, that we are all here. You led the people out here. The disciples' solution to the problem is to get rid of the problem. We know this response of human reason all too well. We figure that God needs our help to fix the problems we notice, supposing that God has messed up. Even at the dawn of time in the garden, the man accuses God, it was the woman you gave me to be with me that led me to sin. So the disciples' solution to the problem is to get rid of the problem. But it is the Lord's surprising response that is so very captivating here. He says to them, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Straight away, you hear the human reason of the disciples bark back at Jesus with the obvious rational assessment of the problem. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Again, you can hear the subtext of criticism here. Come on, Lord, you made this problem. You can't expect us to solve it. Be real. We barely have enough for ourselves. It would take a miracle to feed all these mouths. 5,000, not counting women and children. Sisters and brothers in Christ, we are gathered in the name of the worker of miracles, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord ushers the disciples and the hungry people into his work of compassion. He directs the disciples to bring the bread. Then, as the traditional providing father at the dinner table, he prayerfully gives thanks, breaks the bread, and extends his hands through the hands of the disciples to fully satisfy the needs of the crowd of 5,000. And the disciples obey the Lord's command. In the end, they actually do give the people something to eat, something from the miracle working of the Lord himself. And in case human reason hadn't been put in its place sufficiently yet, the end result of this distribution is an additional 12 baskets full of leftovers. So this is a story of extraordinary abundance and provision, with even more to give away. Too often, our human reason gets in the way of seeing God's abundance for us. Moreover, human reason becomes so busy with figuring its own figuring out of things that we miss the heart of the matter, which is God's heart of compassion for people, for us. We often wonder where we are going as a church. The women and men of the church regularly have difficult issues to talk about. When the church gathers for a convention, there are always proposals to consider, for we have a mission to serve. This is not our church. This is the church of Jesus Christ, 
the worker of miracles. We gather in his name, the name of the one who worked the miracle of abundance in the loaves and fishes. The greatest abundance for us is what was wrought through the death of Christ on the cross. Yet our human reason doubts the adequacy of that. At the heart of our Lutheran witness is the central doctrine of justification, teaching the sufficiency of the work of the cross. On that first Good Friday, on Calvary's cross outside of Jerusalem, Christ Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world, your sin and my sin. On the cross, he dies, although he does not sin himself. In this gracious act, he freely and graciously exchanges our sin with his righteousness. Nothing more to pay. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. In my baptism into his death, I am raised with him to walk in newness of life, that I would have peace with God. We call this the great exchange, the good news that we know as the gospel. But human reason can't accept this. And so our reason supposes, I must add to this. There must be some good work that I can do to tip the scales in my favour, although the miracle work has pushed the scale all the way down for me already. Dr. Martin Luther describes this great exchange as the first and chief article. That Jesus Christ, our God and Lord, was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. This must be believed and may not be obtained or grasped otherwise with any work, law or merit. It is clear and certain that this faith alone justifies us. Nothing in this article can be conceded or given up. When our Lutheran Church Folk of Australia and New Zealand gathered for the first part of the 20th Convention of General Synod in October 2021, they had before them a scriptural promise to set their eyes on the good news of the grace-filled covenant that God makes with his people, to remember God's promise to abundantly provide for his people. Isaiah 55 is a promise and a call to come, listen and live. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labour for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast Sure love for David. An everlasting covenant of steadfast love. We are gathered in the name of the miracle worker, the compassionate Lord who made us his own in baptism. As the baptised people of God gathered as the church of Jesus Christ, we listen for his voice. We listen for his voice to live with the ambiguities and the uncertainties of what it means to be human, but walk by faith. We listen for his voice to be ready to repent of the desire to give credence to human reason and its unquenching thirst to solve issues without trusting God's compassionate miracle working. And we listen to his voice to remind one another that we are gathered in the name of the miracle worker, who does far more than we can ever ask or think of, Jesus Christ.
So our Convention of General Synod 2023 began with the story of the loaves and the fish, Matthew chapter 14. This miracle of the loaves and fishes is not about the number 5,000. The scripture even reminds us that this number is not counting women and children. So the number was much more than 5,000. Abundance is not always about quantity. Though our preoccupation with prosperity and materialism means human reason is always counting and wanting more. Rather, the miracle of the loaves and fishes is about the unending compassion of our God, which can never be quantified. The compassion of God was made sure for all time in the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the light of God shining in the darkness of human reason. If you have ever been in a dark cave underground, you know what even a little light does to dispel the darkness. In the same way, we Lutherans speak of the proper distinction between law and gospel. And by the way, we never ever mean balance. A proper distinction means even the smallest point of the gospel stands out in contrast to the law. A drop of the law is distinct from an ocean of the gospel. The compassion of God that is revealed to us in the work of the cross is the light of the gospel for darkened minds. Distinct, abundant, setting a bright path to follow. So the Apostle Paul explained the way forward to the Ephesian Christians. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. So as God's people, living as children of the light, we pray, Lord, show us what is good and right and true, what is pleasing to you, for we gather in your name. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for gathering us. Thank you for your compassion. May your gospel dominate our lives and the lives of all we interact with. Amen.